This podcast is brought to you by the Gosh Learning Academy. Hello, you are listening to Gosh Pods, where all this week we will be bringing you episodes from the clinical simulation team here at Gosh, focusing on some of the brilliant work they do using immersive education techniques. We hope you enjoy listening. Hello, welcome back to the Simulation Week podcast. Today it's the turn of the technician team. My name is Eli, I'm the senior technician. I'm Amy, I'm the simulation technician. What is a simulation mannequin and how is it used? A mannequin comes from the Dutch word mannequin, which means little man, and it's used to simulate the human body in a medical training situation. They are not dolls, um, we will remind you. Yeah, we got a lot of people calling them dolls. So simulation mannequins, they can come in a range of realism situations. Some of them don't look very realistic and some of them do look extremely realistic. Inside they have mechanical features that emulate the organs of a human body, for example. They have lungs and they have bones, some of them, and they have injection pads for skin and bits like that. Pulses is another important part. Pulses, fontanelles for our baby mannequins, reactive eyes, tears, blood, urine. We can sort of do the works to make it as realistic as possible for our simulation scenarios. Eli, do you know when the first piece of simulation equipment came out? It was Harvey from the University of Miami in 1968. Harvey was designed as what we call an auscultation tool to train people on finding and diagnosing lung and heart sounds. Inside Harvey, he had a bed which was a massive cabinet full of mechanical levers and a four-track tape player to play sounds. Since then, things are a lot smaller and don't take $100,000 of 1960s money to build, although it's relatively close to that amount. They're definitely a lot more portable and a lot smaller. Yeah, this has happened because mannequins now use compressed air to control most of their moving parts. It used to be a separate compressor, but now they have internal compressors and internal batteries, so they are not attached to walls anymore. They can be controlled completely wirelessly, which has added to the whole immersion in the simulation experience. So that's what mannequins are and what they have become. Why did you say that we have them, Eli? So I heard from some older colleagues that when they were training, whenever someone on on a ward would have an arrest, they'd call all the students round and let them watch what was going on. And if attempts to resuscitate weren't going that well for the main staff, they'd call the students in to have a go, replicate what they just watched, which to me sounds terrifying. You're not really going to be able to schedule an arrest with a real patient. So having a fake patient, a robotic patient, which you can schedule that arrest with, means you can schedule training sessions. And that's what we do here, pretty much. We'll run, we don't know when a child is going to have an anaphylactic shock or experience sepsis. So we make that happen on a mannequin and we get students or qualified staff to go through that scenario and we then debrief them on their performance, which is good, well, better for psychological safety than just running them through it and are good for the patient because there's no real patient involved. So every mannequin will need someone to run it and in our centre that's the technicians that generally do that. Amy, what would you say the job of a technician regarding mannequins is? I would say that a simulation technician, they have responsibilities to maintain and manipulate the mannequins. And so we have to know the software and control the software to be able to adapt the mannequin, as well as also maintain the mannequin, which can sometimes be quite hard 
as there's lots of things that could go wrong internally with a mannequin. We also have other responsibilities within the centre with bookings and things like that. And one of another important responsibility that we have as simulation technicians is making sure that the environment in which the simulation is running is set up as realistic as possible to a clinical environment. We fly or drive the mannequin. People have different ways of saying it. So we'll be the ones in the room that will be using the software during a scenario to change the different parameters. Yeah, and we do that through a big fancy one-way window. So depending on how the lights are on, we can see the room, but they can't see us. Mannequins. So we'll talk a little bit about the range of mannequins we have. We've got mannequins which can simulate newborn baby all the way up to pretty much adult. Most of them are wireless. Uh, They all run on compressed air and batteries. Eli, what is your favourite mannequin? My favourite mannequin is the one which is working. The one Uh, that's working the most. Yeah, because they're very complex electronic systems, they are prone to many unpredictable things going wrong. And a lot of the time it's a quick fix, but sometimes it's something that the manufacturers don't even know. Amy, would you have a more specific answer? Then? I would say my favourite mannequin is Paediatric Cow because he is the most, how should I say it? Versatile? He's the most versatile mannequin and he's also the one with the coolest features, I'd say. Oh yeah, this mannequin, I would mistake it for a child if it wasn't clearly not a child. He told me we're, we're, we're bringing this, this child in and he's going to speak to us and have his eyes follow us around the room. Now let's talk about the future of simulation mannequins. Eli, what would you like to see from simulated mannequins in the future? So I think the slowest part of any process like this is the human involved. And the human is most involved when we have to pick out the mannequin's speech from like a bank of responses. I would like to see a mannequin with some artificial intelligence capabilities so it can give realistic speech at relevant times and process things that are being spoken to it. I mean, that would jack up the price a bit but hopefully AI becomes a bit more open source and usable in the future that we're able to include it in more mannequins like this without it being expensive. I think that's a great idea. I'd really like to see that from mannequins in the future too. I'd also like to see more movement from mannequins and more realism. Sometimes mannequins do tend to look a little bit not realistic, so I'd like to see more features that do add realism. Okay, so I think that about covers it for our podcast. We've got what mannequins are, why we have them, what we have, and a wish list for the future. So thank you for listening. I've been Eli and Amy, uh, thank you for listening. Enjoy the rest of Sim Week. Bye. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to Gosh Pod's Simulation Week podcast. You can find the Gosh Clinical Simulation Center on social media, on Instagram at Gosh Clinical Simulation, and Twitter at Gosh underscore CSC. We also have a Facebook page and LinkedIn, so please get in touch if you'd like to find out more about our work and listen out for tomorrow's simulation podcast.